How many know every day's the day? Every day's the Lord has made. We don't have to just come in on Sunday, on Sunday and declare this is the day. You realize uh, Monday's also the day the Lord declared. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and if you got a eighth day, it's there. Amen. God is the God of whatever we're going through, whatever day you're going through it in. So how many love Jesus this morning? Let's just get that right up front. I love Jesus. Man, you guys are tracking this morning. Well, we're wrapping up our sermon series uh, called The Circle Maker this week, where we've been talking for the last several weeks about not just prayer, but the power of prayer. How many believe this morning that there is absolute power in prayer? Prayer is a real thing. Prayer is a tool. Prayer is a blessing, an opportunity. Prayer is a weapon. There are so many uses for prayer that God has given to us. But before we get into that, I heard a story about this guy that went into a doctor's office one day. The receptionist, receptionist met him, and she said, well, what do you have? And he says, shingles. Uh, well, she took down his name, address, and phone number and told him to take a seat in the waiting room. About 15 minutes later, a nurse showed up, and she asked him what he had. He said, I've got shingles. Well, she took his height and his weight and took some medical history, and um, uh, took him into the examination room and said, just wait here, there'll be another nurse in in just a minute. Well, about a half hour later, a nurse comes in and says, well, what do you have? And he says, I have uh, shingles. So she took a blood test and did a blood pressure test, did an electrocardiogram test, and she told him, I want you to just take off all your clothes and wait on the doctor. He'll be here in just a few minutes. Well, an hour later, the doctor walks in and he says, uh, uh, he sees this man patiently waiting in the nude, and he says, well, what do you have? The man says, shingles. The doctor says, well, what makes you so sure? He said, well, they're out there loaded on my truck. I'm just waiting to see where I can unload them. <laughs> that takes a lot of patience, right? That man was patiently waiting. Let's just say almost ignorantly patiently waiting, but he was patiently waiting. I only said that to say this, we as a people and as a culture, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait on anything. Let me take some of you back. You're from my generation. When we wanted to heat up leftovers, first of all, we had to preheat the oven. You had to preheat the oven, wait on that, and then you put your leftovers in and you had to wait 15 or 20 minutes just to warm up a chicken leg, amen? Put in a baked potato in the oven. It'd take about 50 minutes to cook a baked potato. Nowadays, we throw a baked potato in the microwave, and it gets done in five to seven minutes. And that's not fast enough for us. I remember when my mom would pop popcorn back in the day when I was a kid. She would be standing over that gas stove with her Jiffy Pop pan going like this. You remember? And it took forever. And pretty soon you'd hear a pop and then another pop and another kernel and pretty soon the thing starts blowing up. That was pretty cool. But today, we put a bag of popcorn in the microwave and within three minutes, it's done. Butter and all. I mean, you're ready to go to the movies, amen? I only say this to say we live in a microwave society. We live in a microwave culture. We don't even have to look up phone numbers anymore. You realize that? We don't have to get directions from a map anymore. All we have to do is say, uh, Siri, uh, directions to Walmart. Or Siri, uh, call Monocles for me. And it's done. It's instantaneous. I think that's part of our problem when it comes to prayer. 
we pray, and we live in this instantaneous culture, and we think when God doesn't answer our prayer immediately, we think we've missed God. Or we think God doesn't care. We want God to answer our prayer, and we want it now, right now. Mark Batterson, in his book Circle Maker, which we've been used as an, using as an inspiration in this whole series, he said that we need to stop praying ASAP prayers, as soon as possible prayers, and we need to start praying elate prayers, A-L-A-I-T, as long as it takes prayers, amen? Stop praying the uh, as soon as possible prayers and start praying, well, as long as it takes, God, I'm in the long run, I'm in here uh, trusting you by faith. The problem we has, have is when we pray these ASAP prayers, when God doesn't answer, and I'll give you a little benefit, within 24 hours, we think God doesn't care. We think that he's not listening or that he just said no to our prayer. So what do we do? We give up and quit. We don't even pray another prayer toward that matter, whatever it might be. Well, today we're going to be looking back at the book of Daniel again, the same text I covered last week, but I want to bring out a few other points today. If you remember, it's where the angel came to Daniel. He had been praying for understanding of a dream or vision. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, the angel comes and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that I that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. The angel then says, Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Last week, we looked at that whole thing. We looked at a thing called spiritual warfare. We looked at a thing called a heavenly realm, a spiritual realm out there that we can't see, and we don't know what's going on in that spiritual realm. But I want to concentrate on one thing as we start today. He says, for 21 days, his prayer was not answered. Did you notice how the angel introduces the greeting? He says, uh, do not be afraid. That's almost in every angelic greeting you find in the Bible. The angel will preface it with, uh, do not be afraid. I guess that's angelic protocol. But what was going on, there was this evil spirit known as the prince of the Persian kingdom who was resisting that call for angelic backup for 21 full days. When I hear that, if you think a little bit, I wonder what would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying on day 20. You ever think about that? I think someday we might find out when we get to heaven. And we ask God, why didn't you answer this prayer or that prayer? I believe God's going to say, well, the answer was on its way. You were just one day short of getting your breakthrough because you know why? You quit. You gave up and quit, so you didn't experience your miracle. There's nothing wrong with asking God to kind of speed up things. It doesn't mean he will, but there's nothing wrong with asking him to quickly move when you pray. David did it all the time through the book of Psalms. But the thing is, also that we have to understand, is that when we're seeking an answer to, to prayer, whatever it might be, it, always, it doesn't always happen right now. In fact, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it might take a week. Sometimes it might take 21 days like this. Sometimes it might take six months, a year, or 20 years. But the secret is, don't give up. Don't give up and don't quit. Pray as long as it takes. Amen? It's like your 401Ks. If you've got a 401K at work or a Roth account, you're not going to see the results of that account or that investment right away. 
But by the time you retire, you're going to see the benefits of that consistent savings, of that consistent investment for the long term, or until the government takes it. I'll just say that. Got to put that in there. But for the past several weeks, we've been talking about praying prayer circles around our problems. And I'm thrilled that some of you have told me that you are doing that. That blesses my heart as a pastor. But drawing prayer circles around problems sometimes is like climbing a mountain. Because that problem seems so big in your life that it's only uphill. And sometimes it seems impossible to climb that big of a mountain. But think about the dream or the promise or the miracle that you're praying for. That seems impossible. When it seems impossible, and we've all been there, when a situation seems way far out of your reach, and sometimes we think it's out of God's reach, but what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You keep circling it, and you keep circling it again. And every step you take, what do you do? You keep circling it every step you take. And the more steps you take while you're circling it in prayer, believing in God to be the answer, guess what happens? Each step and each circle you make is a step closer to the top of that mountain. Amen? Think about that when you're praying and about to give up. No, I'm going to stay in here. One more circle. One more circle. And you just keep climbing that mountain. Well, the thing about Daniel, he didn't just pray when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. He didn't just throw up 911 prayers whenever uh, he was in the lion's den. Do you realize that? No, he made prayer an everyday part of his life. He made prayer an everyday rhythm and routine of his life like I believe God wants every one of us to do. I think there's a lot of things we can learn from Daniel. And I'm sure Daniel prayed with a greater intensity for sure when he was about to be thrown into the lion's den. Who wouldn't, right? But I believe that intensity was actually a byproduct. It was a byproduct of his faith, his consistency to pray day in and day out. He prayed uh, for every situation, every problem, every opportunity, every challenge, and every person. He prayed before anything. He put prayer first. Daniel was persistent when it came to his prayer life. You realize, and many of you have heard this before, he made it a habit of getting on his knees three times a day, not just once, not just when he crawled into bed at night, three times a day and praying through an open window toward Jerusalem. Even when King Darius outlawed prayer, that didn't stop Daniel. He continued to stop, drop, and pray three times a day. He didn't let up. Even when there was a decree against him, he didn't give up. He kept praying. I believe it's easy to say few people prayed with the consistency or the intensity that Daniel prayed with. And his persistence is even more remarkable because, I don't know if you know this, but he knew that his dreams of rebuilding Jerusalem were never ever going to come to pass in his lifetime. He knew that. He prayed toward a city that he was never going to see rebuilt. He prayed toward, toward a city that he was never going to see rebuilt with his very own eyes. He just had to see it through the eyes of faith. He had to see it through his spiritual eyes. Daniel actually prophesied that it was going to take 77s. You might say, well, what does that mean? In our language, it means 70 years for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. And the thing that impresses me most about Daniel is he knew that even though his prayers were going to take 70 years, he still prayed with an urgency. He still prayed with an urgency. You know, as a procrastinator, I'm kind of a procrastinator at times. I would have probably waited till the last week of the 69th year to start praying. Amen? Some of you are with me on that. Not Daniel. He had the absolute ability to pray with an urgency, even for things that weren't all that urgency. He had 70 years yet to go, but he prayed with an urgency. You know what that tells me? That shows me how much he believes in prayer, 
how much confidence he has in his God that answers prayer. Drawing prayer circles sometimes, if you're like me, it feels like a long and drawn out and boring process. And it gets frustrating, especially when you feel like you've been circling a problem for, seems like, a lifetime. You start to wonder, don't you, if God really cares? You start to wonder, God, are you really listening? And sometimes his silence is deafening, especially when you're circling that cancer that you need answers for, that child that you need answers for, that dream that you need answers for. You almost want to give up and quit, especially when things don't seem like they're making any difference. What do you do? My advice is you keep circling. You keep circling as long as it takes. Maybe it'll take 70 years. What else are you going to do? Let me ask you that. Where else are you going to turn? What other options do you have? Pray prayer circles. Trust in God. Don't give up. That's when you see the results. When you consistently pray, even when you see nothing, that's what walking in faith is all about. It's not seeing, it's believing. So it can seem like a long, drawn-out, boring process, but that doesn't mean God is not there. God is there, and God is on our side. Another thing that I want to bring up today, and I'm really going to kind of finish out the rest of the sermon with this uh, topic, it's not only uh, about saying to pray, but it's saying to fast. I didn't say pray fast. I said pray and fast. Several months ago, uh, during a prayer time, I remember asking you all to seek God on it, but if you would uh, fast for Becky Hardway, and what she was going through over in Indianapolis, uh, let God lead you into this. But uh, many of you uh, committed to a fast that week. And I, I saw some big changes that week. And I believe, and I've just heard recently, she's getting better. We're going to keep hanging in there by prayer. But I do believe that week some people fasted that didn't even know what I was talking about. But they fasted because they wanted to be obedient to God and they wanted to do anything they could to help Becky and her situation. So fasting is important. But I thought there are so many probably in this room that really don't understand the depths of fasting and what it's all about. So I thought, gosh, this is a sermon series on prayer. And prayer and fasting go hand in hand. So I can't miss this opportunity. So I want to fill you in on a little bit of what fasting is all about, in case you don't know. But first of all, you need to recognize that fasting was not only taught by Jesus, it was practiced by Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 16. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Bottom line is, he's saying when you go on a fast, don't do it to be seen by other people. Don't do it for a show to say, hey, look at me, I'm fasting, I'm so religious, I'm so holy. If you're doing that, you might as well not be fasting because you're doing it with the wrong motive, with the wrong thing in your heart. But fasting is mentioned, believe it or not, in Scripture more than baptism is mentioned. Fasting is mentioned more than giving is mentioned. And plus, the people in the Bible that fasted, they run like a who's who of the Bible. Abraham, the father of our faith, he fasted. Abraham's servant fasted when he uh, went out to find a bride for his son, uh, Abraham's son Isaac. Moses fasted on several occasions. Hannah fasted as she prayed for a child. David fasted. The prophet Elijah fasted. Ezra fasted when he was mourning Israel's uh, faithlessness. Nehemiah fasted 
before his return to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Esther fasted when she realized that the Hebrew people, God's people, might be threatened with extermination. And Daniel fasted. He probably fasted more than most. He fasted all the time. In fact, we've been talking about this text where he prayed for 21 days and the angel finally came. Well, during that 21 days, he was not only just praying, he was actually fasting. And down through history, great men and women of God uh, in church history have fasted. Uh, Name a few, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Charles Finney, just to name a few. And I only named a few because it raises a big question in our generation. Why don't Christians talk more about fasting these days? Why don't we talk more about fasting? Why don't we take a hold of this spiritual discipline I'm talking about? Why do we tend to ignore it? I'll tell you why. It's due to a four-letter word, F-O-O-D. Amen? F-O-O-D. Food is such an important, vital part of our culture. I mean, it is. And everywhere you look, you can't throw a rock without hitting a McDonald's today. Amen? I mean, think about it. You can't turn on the television set more than five minutes before this awesome food commercial comes on. And I just say, hey, we're a people that we don't actually uh, deny ourselves too much of anything. If we want it, what do we do? We go out and get it. We want it, and it's there if we want to go get it. So what is fasting? I want to give you a definition of what Christian fasting is. It's a believer's voluntary abstinence. Notice that it's a voluntary abstinence from food for the purpose of growing spiritually. What is it? It's giving up specific foods or drinks for a specific number of days or a certain time. It's putting our flesh under control. And when you put your flesh under control, your spirit's going to grow. Amen? When you've got God in the middle of it, God in prayer. When we can't control our emotions or we can't control our temper, that's being controlled by your flesh. Amen? But get this part. Fasting is a time of feeding our spirit and starving our flesh. Fasting is a time of feeding our spirit, starving our flesh. Common sense tells us what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Amen? What you feed grows and what you starve dies. Fasting can also involve abstinence from a whole lot of other things. It could be even your social media. It could even be your television set. It could be anything that you're addicted to. And during those times, instead of reaching for your phone or instead of reaching for your remote, use that time to fill up with God's Word, fill up with prayer. But I want to focus on what it means to fast from foods, biblically fast from foods, It mentions several types of food fast in the Bible. And by the way, let me tell you, fasting is such a personal thing between you and God. It's such a personal thing. There's no set in stone way to do it or definition of it as far as time limits and all that. So whatever length or type of fast that you go on to, that's between you and God. It's between you and God and let no one else dictate your type of fast that you go on or how long you go on it, except for God. If He tells you to do it, you ought to be doing it. But the thing about it, fasting, prayer, and reading God's Word, they all go hand in hand. You really can't have one without the other. You need all three. I would say while you're fasting, you're actually, my intent is to draw closer to God, to be more sensitive to Him. So while you're there, why not pray for God's will and His purpose to be clarified? I mean, for your life. Let Him show you what He wants for uh, you in your life, what He wants you to do. Let Him reveal it. And fast and pray about every decision. I'd say big or small that you go through. 
Let God help you make the right decision. Simply put, fasting is a way to conquer your flesh. Conquer the physical and open the door to the supernatural. Do you realize that? If you'll conquer this old flesh, which is pretty selfish, you can conquer uh, the flesh and open the door to the supernatural because when you deny your body, you're actually feeding your spirit. And when you feed your spirit, you're going to grow closer to Christ. You're going to grow in your faith. Why fast? Jensen Franklin, probably one of the ministers that knows more about fasting than most ministers, he says this concerning fasting in his book. He says, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gave us specific direction on how to live as a child of God. That pattern addressed three specific duties of a Christian, giving, praying, and fasting. Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He made it clear that fasting, like giving and praying, was actually a normal part of a Christian's life. Jensen says, I believe that when all three disciplines, giving, praying, and fasting, are at work in your life, you release the complete power of God. Did you hear that? You release the complete power of God. That's a lot of power. If you need some power in your life, put those three together. That will release the power of Almighty God into your life. He says it's much like the lesson that Jesus taught us in Mark chapter 4, verse 80, when Jesus says, when you pray, you release a 30-fold return. When you pray and you give, you release a 60-fold blessing. But when you pray, give, and fast, you will receive a hundredfold blessing. You can't tell me that those three aren't a powerful combination. It goes from a 30-fold blessing to a 100% blessing. So wherever you are in life, whatever situation, what problem you're dealing with, whatever need you have in your life, fasting can benefit you. You've maybe never tried it in your life. Let me say, make time to make, give it a try. Biblically, give it a try. Maybe you're struggling with your health or with your finances. Do you realize it's such a powerful spiritual tool to use to get through those times? Maybe you need guidance from God. Maybe you need protection for your family. I believe it's a definite spiritual key to being able to hear the voice of God. Because you know what you can do when you fast? All of a sudden, God's got your attention. Instead of all the voices in the world, and you can tune out all of those other voices, you can tune out all of those other distractions, and you can zone in on God. You can actually hear His voice. You can actually hear Him uh, through your prayer time. You can hear Him through His Word more than you've ever done before. Fasting helps you to tune all of that out and to hear with your spiritual ears. You know, God wants us to all, as Christians, followers of Christ, to hear not with just physical ears, but with spiritual ears. But even Jesus said this. He said, some miracles are not going to happen by prayer alone. Some miracles are just not going to happen. They're not going to be accomplished by prayer alone. And he says, you've got to put another ingredient with it. Guess what that is? Fasting. He said, some of these things are never going to be accomplished until you combine the power of fasting and prayer together. So no matter what you're dealing with, guidance from God, protection for your family, whatever it might be, if you combine these two together, it will unlock some deadbolt locks in your life. It will bring more power into your life. And I didn't say it, God said it. And when God said it, he makes a promise. But it's still up to us to obey. It's still up to us to put it into practice. Maybe you have some issues with your family. We all do. Fasting for your family, I believe, gives you an awesome opportunity to zone in on the specific needs of your family. And I believe more than ever, it's really important for us as parents and grandparents to pray and fast for our children. 
and for our grandchildren in the generation that we live in. And I do believe that God is looking for men and women who are men and women that pray fervent prayers, that will be willing to stand up and fight a spiritual battle on behalf of their families. And I do believe that family, uh, uh, your family's needs will be open to your eyes, the eyes of your heart, whenever you go on a fast. It might be as simple as encouraging that spouse. Maybe they need to hear that. It might be as simple as encouraging or lifting up that child. It might be as simple as praying for uh, protection to surround your family. There's power in prayer and fasting. There's power in prayer, and there's power in fasting. But you two put those two together, it's like adding the atomic bomb to prayer. Amen? Prayer and fasting brings an ingredient that God already said. I didn't say. God said it'll open the doors of the supernatural into your life. I heard a story uh, years ago about a man named J.D. Sumner. J.D., maybe some of you recognize him. He used to sing with the Gaither group and, uh, on their videos and things. Great man of God, great singer, gospel singer. But he had a son that, uh, whose name was Donnie Sumner that was touring as a backup singer for Elvis Presley. And he saw his son Donnie going the wrong direction, touring with Elvis all throughout uh, the world. He saw him going down and uh, getting hooked on drugs and alcohol and everything else. He saw him walking step by step further and further and further away from his God. So it broke J.D.'s heart. It broke a father's heart. And he made a vow to God that he was going to fast. He was going to fast two meals a day for as long as it took to bring his son back to Christ. He made a vow. That's actually saying, God, I'm only going to eat one meal a day until my son comes back to Christ. Well, you may not believe this, but it took nine years Nine years of him eating one meal a day. One meal a day, he stuck to his vow with God, and he kept praying, and he kept believing, and God honored his prayer. God honored his fast. Yeah, he prayed as long as it took, amen? He didn't have an ASAP prayer. He had a late prayer. As long as it takes God, I'm going to do my part, and if you, if you hang in there, I guarantee you, because God is God, he will do his part. He will keep his promise every day, all day long. But I'd say when I hear that, that's a pretty serious fast. Amen? I'm going to give you a few different type of fast here this morning. Another serious fast is what they call a full fast or an absolute fast, and it earns its name because it's talking about absolutely fasting from all foods for a certain number of days or time. Fasting from everything, some people have said, well, you can drink broth and you can drink vegetable juice or fruit juice just to keep up your strength, and that's okay. I would say on this series of a fast, you might want to even consult your doctor to make sure you're strong enough to go on that kind of a fast. It's so serious. And I will say this, if you're not a faster and you don't make it a very uh, often practice in your life, don't start with a full fast. Don't start with an absolute fast. That could be dangerous. Maybe start with more of a partial fast, like the Daniel fast. That's the second one I want to talk about. Daniel fast, it, it's patterned after the fast that Daniel fasted at critical times in his life, which was many times, but it's different than a full-out fast or an absolute fast because you can eat some fruit, you can eat some vegetables, you're to drink water. It's mainly abstaining from meats, sweets, breads, uh, and drinks other than water for a specific time. You can find details on that in Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. It's typically done for certain goals in your life, for a certain time frame in your life. And believe it or not, it was a 10-day fast that Daniel went on before he was elevated politically. 
till he was elevated into his uh, political position, which was a high position. Uh, a 10-day fast. It was a 21-day fast that we've been talking about through this series that I first just started out talking like he was just praying, but it was a 21-day fast that brought the answer to him from God through an angel that had to be released through Michael the archangel to fight his battle. Anyway, I said all that because fasting is harder than praying. It is, really. Because fasting is harder than praying, I think fasting is actually a form of praying hard. Realize what, you see what I'm saying? Fasting is a form of praying hard. And in my experience, it's the shortest distance to a breakthrough. If you've got a big deal going on in your life, if you want to see some, I'll just say, quicker results, how about adding fasting to your prayer? It's like I said, the atom bomb of prayer. Some other types of partial fast, you can just give up one item of food, one type of food. Maybe you can just give up caffeine. That means you're going to give up soft drinks, maybe coffee, maybe tea or something like that. Give up sweets or maybe just give up one meal. Again, it's personal between you and God. Set a goal for why you're fasting and what answers you're uh, wanting to get from God. But then let God reveal you to you the time limit and the type of fast that you go on, uh, whatever it might be. You know, you can go on a fast and just say, God, I'm just going to fast for a day. Uh, or you can say, I'm going to fast for two days or maybe three days. Or you can choose to fast from a certain time of day, like 6 o'clock in the morning to 3 p.m. in the afternoon, or maybe from sunup to sundown. Again, it's personal, whatever God leads you to do. Um, but the biggest question here probably for all of us in our minds is, when should we fast? How do you know you ought to be on a fast? Let me tell you, you don't have to know to go on a fast. You don't. Fasting is good for you health-wise. Fasting, and probably Tish and Rebecca could tell you, Fasting is good for your physical body. It purges your body of toxins. It kind of flushes out your system. But you can also go on a fast when you've got some definite struggles staring you in the face. You've got some problems like family struggles, financial problems, maybe needing direction or guidance from God. I'd say anytime you need to capture God's attention for whatever it might be. And I will say this, if you make a vow to God to fast, keep that vow. Don't tell him you're going to fast and the first hunger pain hits you and you say, oh gosh, I can't hang in, hang in there on this one. We've probably all done that, right? We have. But if you make a commitment to God, stick with the commitment. Doesn't God stick with his commitments to us? I mean, he's faithful to us. We ought to be faithful to him. When you have a big decision to make, circle it with a fast. You know, it not only purges your body, it purges your spirit, it purges your mind. And when you need a breakthrough in your life, why not circle it with a fast? That fast doesn't only break down that challenge, it also breaks down the calluses in our hearts. You realize that? Our hearts can get calloused. I remember way back in 1997. 1997, Cheryl and I were going to this church just as church members at the time. I was leading the praise and worship team at the time. But there was another pastor here, and he up and decides he's going to take a church in Florida. So him and his family moved to Florida and basically left us without a pastor. There's more details in there, but I don't have time to tell them. Um, he left us without a pastor. And there's only like 15 of us here anyway, and half of them were my family. <laughs> we didn't know what we were going to do. So we started praying that God would help us to find the right person to lead the church. And we started interviewing several that uh, applied for the job, that wanted the pastorship here. Several men came through. We had a guy from Tennessee, one from Georgia, several from Illinois, and different places. 
And when we didn't have a guest speaker lined up, I would get up and I would try to fill in. And I say that try because it was horrible. It was terrible. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I was scared to death. But every one of those ministers, even those that were trying out for the position, they looked at me at different times and they said, Dwayne, we don't know, I don't know what it is, but you have a calling on your life. I didn't have a clue what it was. Um, and after several months, after several months, we started getting nervous because we hadn't found a person that really seemed to fit. You get a little nervous after you're going without a pastor for a while. We got a little nervous and we kind of jumped the gun and we hired this guy that we kind of knew and we kind of liked. We thought he might fit. Within three weeks, we knew that he wasn't a fit. And we thought, what in the world do you do now? How do you handle this in a godly way? Well, I remember my sister-in-law, Pam. She was already praying and she was already fasting for the situation. And she says, I believe God is telling all of us members to go on a three-day fast. And we're going to fast that this will be handled God's way. We're going to fast that, that this uh, man will realize on his own that this isn't a fit for him, isn't a fit for this church, and uh, that he'll just resign. And, and let's just believe that he might not even be here on Sunday. <laughs> well, we fasted and we prayed that week, lots of prayer that week. And we came into church that Sunday morning and the pastor is there, just like normal. We're thinking, well, we missed God on this one. This is just how it's got to be. I led praise and worship that morning, and I turned it over to him for the message. He preached his message just as usual and normal. And when he finished, he stopped and he says, I love you guys, and I love you this church, and I don't know exactly how to tell you what God has dropped into my spirit this week, but he said, God has shown me very clearly that I'm to step down today that I'm to resign as your pastor. God has other plans for this church. He says, I don't know what they are, but God has clearly shown me that they don't include me. When he said that, our mouths dropped open. We hugged him. He hugged us. He uh, said he'll be praying for us. We said we'll be praying for him. He left on great terms. But the moment he resigned, God spoke deep in my spirit that you need to step up. You need to put your name in the hat to be pastor of this church. And I've been here 22 years now. And and I'm not at all saying that for that. I'm saying that for that. I'm thanking Jesus Christ that he had a plan that was bigger than we were. A plan that really couldn't be or wouldn't be fulfilled unless it would have come down to fasting. Fasting and prayer. Getting serious with God. We have seen God do so, so many miraculous things when we follow Him. But if you want some atomic power in your prayer life, engage in fasting. Hook fasting up in it. Start small, start slow, start easy. Let God direct you. Most of the time, He's not going to ask you to go out and do something like Moses would have done. Amen? Just start small and believe and trust God that as you make a step of faith, God's going to honor that in prayer and fasting. You might be praying for something, and maybe you've been praying for it a long time. You're not really seeing the results you want, or if any results. Let me say, maybe you need to add fasting to that. Maybe you need to take it to the next level. Maybe you need to draw a double circle around it. Prayer and fasting over your family, protection of your family, your finances, your job situation, your health, whatever it might be. Fasting and prayer are one of the most powerful combinations you'll ever find. 
So my question as I close, what promises, what miracles, what dreams are you willing to pray for as long as it takes? What miracles, what dreams, what promises are you willing to fast for as long as it takes? Amen? I mean, I pray that we'll get serious with God. That we'll say, God, I need some answers. And like I said on day one of this series, the man, Hani, that we're, we talked about in the series, he drew a circle all the way around him and he prayed for rain. And he said, God, I'm not going to leave this circle until you make it rain. How many of us are doing that? Have you drawn a circle around your need and saying, God, I'm going to hang in here until you bring the answer? I believe that's what God desires of all of us. It's something called faith. Could you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Could you bow your hearts in prayer? Lord God, I pray that our hearts, I pray every heart in here that's been through this series has been changed through this series. I pray that we will all have a deeper understanding and even a deeper appreciation for what prayer is all about. Help us, Lord God, to realize the powerful tool it is, the powerful weapon that it is, the powerful blessing that it is, and the opportunity that it is. And help us, Lord God, to pray bigger prayers with a bigger faith than we've ever had before. Let us see you for the limitless God that you are and help us to walk in the miracle-working power of prayer and the miracle-working power of prayer and fasting. Lord, your word tells us that your house shall always be a house of prayer. Father, I pray that this house will always be a house of prayer, founded on a foundation of prayer. Let this church always be built and stabilized on that foundation of prayer. We thank you, Lord God, for the gift of prayer. We pray, Lord God, you would reveal to us how we can draw closer to you through prayer, through fasting, and through just getting alone with you, spending time with you. And we pray that it would all be for your glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. If you want to know more about fasting, ask me anytime. I've got several books on it, but go out and just follow God. God bless you all.